Hey friends, Jeff Mallinson here. Stacy and I are really excited about the upcoming season here, season two of the Protect Your Noggin podcast, where we're going to be looking at 12 really important and sometimes startling teachings from Jesus of Nazareth. And we want to look at Jesus and what he said in a way that perhaps is an attempt to get at this thing and to get at his teachings with fresh eyes, looking to Jesus as if we're looking to his teachings for the first time, not just going through all of our backstory, uh, whether it's our own engagement with religious communities or with what we had heard Jesus was about from other people. It's not that those things aren't helpful. In fact, they're very helpful and certainly very interesting. I completed my DPhil at Oxford in the history of ideas in the church. That is the, the history of these intellectual developments, specifically in the 16th century, I find them really, really interesting. At the same time, there's a way in which we sometimes lose sight of what this whole movement was from the beginning. Now, I'm here at Surf City, USA, Huntington Beach, California, where Stacy and I sometimes take our little truck camper, and we, we have a, a pass, so we get to sit out here and watch the sunset, and we wanted to have you come along with us, and hopefully it's uh, not going to be too loud and not too distracting. But for us, it, it really puts us in a good spot. Because in many ways, when we were translating during my sabbatical that we just concluded, as we were traveling around the country, we were also trying to understand Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching. And with various resources, we were putting together our own interpretation, conveying what we think Lao Tzu was saying in that text. And as we did, we realized, man, you know, some of these things are things that, that Jesus also said. Sometimes Jesus said them really, really well, sometimes maybe better. And so as much as we were excited about that, we wanted to go back to the, the guy who started this worldwide movement, uh, now called Christianity. But, but who's this Jesus and what did he teach? Who's this show for? Well, hopefully almost anybody could get something out of it. But, but there are three folks that, or three types of folks that we really care about connecting with in this study over the next several months. First, we're interested in helping people think through Jesus' teachings who had been in a Christian community or a community that was carrying the name of Jesus. And they want to understand what went wrong. Is there something still that Jesus has to offer as a way of life and understanding of of heaven and earth? Is there something that he's got that can help us outfox religious wolves? perhaps religious wolves that came and did us harm in the name of Jesus? Is there still something from Jesus that can help us, and get this, outfox those religious leaders that come in his name? Or how can we escape unhealthy institutions that have his logo and think that maybe they're the only ones who've got the copyright on his message? We want to get to his message. It's not that profound in any other sense that we're going right to the source and trying to kind of for a moment separate out some of those other things that might have gotten in the way. Secondly, we're hoping that this will be very helpful for people who are in communities of faith, specifically Christian communities, and folks that are so excited about what they're finding that they want to also protect themselves and their children from people misusing it. I mean, this is important. This is something that you find in in yoga and all, all sorts of walks of life. When there's somebody who is maybe not the best character, and they find out that you really care about something, that something is medicine to you, something is healing to you, something's helpful. Well, if they can use that to control you 
and perhaps to manipulate you. Well, they might. And so it's not that we're looking at this primarily to criticize churches or religious people that, that love to talk about Jesus and, and carry you know, his banner. It's to say that maybe precisely because you're in one of those spaces, you will want to have equipment and lessons in outfoxing religious wolves. Sometimes in my classes in Christianity intros, I'll talk about it as defense against the dark arts. That is, sometimes you study theology because you want to go and be a church worker or a sage of your own, right? Uh, Hopefully you'll all find yourselves uh, to be sages in this uh, great, uh, great teaching of Jesus. But but it might be that as you're, as you're exploring these things, uh, you, you find that you want to have a grasp on this Jesus teaching in such a way that anybody who comes along and wants to take, take away those core teachings and replace it with something else will, will not be able to do so very easily. Just as we thought about you know, in Harry Potter, the defense against the dark arts, there's something there that we think is important and helpful for us to to learn about, and in the case of Harry Potter, it's magic, and you know, uh, probably not real, right? But here we're looking at a way in which we can also defend ourselves against people who take powerful spiritual medicine, magic, if you will, um, some kind of potency, and use it against our best interest. And so we're not trying to come at this in a negative way, but we do want people to be safe because one of the things we found over 20 years of exploring religious education in K through 12 schools and into college is that, you know, a lot of times people, when they're taught things in bad ways, when they're taught in authoritarian ways, they learn maybe something that they think is true, but they get there in a way that doesn't help them practice those critical thinking skills. And when you do that, then people are more susceptible to manipulation and various forms of abuse. There's a third group we're really interested in, and that is non-Christians, people that don't identify with the Christian religion, who are really interested in maybe some things that Jesus taught. And we're hopeful that you will see in these 12 teachings some very important uh, and central messages of Jesus that you could take with you if you're the kind of person that's interested in Lao Tzu like we are, or Socrates, or Plato, or Aristotle, or you know any of the great sages from the past— Hopefully you will be able to come along and get some stuff out of Jesus that would even help you, if it's not in a religious community, maybe just help you with your parenting and your in-laws and the ways that you're frantic in life and maybe worried. You know, in my 20 years of teaching, I have found that there's a lot of folks who spend a great deal of time talking about religious celebrities, sometimes favorably or or not so favorably, or St. Augustine, or St. Paul, or Plato, and the way Plato might affect the way we think about God, or certainly Martin Luther, if you're Lutheran, or John Calvin, if you're Reformed, or Thomas Aquinas, if you are Roman Catholic. But in each of these cases, as much as those folks have something to offer, and in fact, I studied that when when, when I was in grad school, that was, my, that was my doctoral dissertation, looking at the history of the intellectual life of Protestants in the 16th century and how they used philosophy and science. It's really interesting stuff, but that shouldn't get in the way of something really interesting that Jesus himself taught. And whatever you think about the New Testament, however reliable you think it is in all of its parts, there's a real core 
set of teachings that that really any good scholar is going to realize that that those are things that were profoundly effective in in people's lives and that they carried those teachings on in various in various documents the four gospels that that churches around the world use but also other texts and in citations from early church fathers so we're looking at the teachings of Jesus in uh, in a way that we would receive from him some very important philosophical stuff i'm so glad that you're here with us you're going to join us on this expedi- expedition and adventure into some very interesting teachings from Jesus in the future we'll be looking at other folks but for now protect your noggin with Jesus Jeff and Stacy coming to help you do so All ahead, thanks a lot Enjoy it. Aye, aye. Time by to dive. Diving stations. Dive. Dive. Welcome, friends, to the Protect Your Noggin podcast. We offer lessons about foxing religious wolves. And sometimes we will address emotionally difficult subjects, so make sure you pay careful attention to our descriptions of each of the episodes. And then also have some resources handy, such as the Crisis Text Line. That's one of our favorites, which is 741-741. That's 741-741. Now, just take a deep breath, because we're not afraid to go deep. But don't worry, because we'll also have some fun along the way. Our plan is to help us all resurface with insights and tools to help heal ourselves and our communities. So come along, because we got this. Well, hello there. Welcome to the second season of our podcast, Protect Your Noggin with Jesus. Uh, this is Jeff and Stacy here. We are in Surf City, USA, Huntington Beach. We've got our truck camper behind us. This is one of our favorite places to write and be creative. And we figured this would be a great place, even though it's January, to kick off with you <laughs> and the, a new, the new series. Yeah, and Stacy, you're not feeling great. No. In fact, um, I've been sick for a couple of weeks now. I kept thinking my voice would get better, but now we'll, we'll do this even though I'm still kind of... I'm, I'm on the, the better end of it, though. You'll forgive also every <laughs> once in a while some hot rods go behind us or a Lamborghini that's from uh, a place called Karma down the way. And I always think that's interesting. Are they saying that they have good karma, which led them to have these Lamborghinis? Or is it a warning, right? Like, don't misuse this. I don't know. It's bad car. But we're so glad you're here with us. We are looking at this uh, really 12 chapters that we're doing with a, with a study book that we've got coming. That is something you can find at protectyournoggin.org. And that is where we're going to be going through 12 important teachings of Jesus. And we're starting uh, this one with a really interesting narrative. It's, it's Jesus' encounter with two women which is really interesting in its own way. Mary and Martha. Yeah. And we call it, Stacey, what do we call in this we call chapter? It put down the dishes. Put down the dishes. Each of these is going to be something that sounds counterintuitive or maybe something that your uh, church mom did not want you to consider. But really, here it is. We think about religion very often as something that's kind of a chore. <laughs> and so here's it Jesus saying. can be. Yeah, yeah so here he is. So um, maybe, Stacey, kick us off. What is, the, what is the verse that we're using? Yeah, so we're using um, Luke. It's chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And this is from the NIV. Um, I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat down at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. (laughs) Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So. I just love that one. It's really a great place to, to kick us off. Absolutely. Because, because I think that's something that so many people that I know that have kind of ghosted churches, they didn't, they didn't leave because they were atheists. They just got so worn out, and they, they just stopped going. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? yeah, it was so hard to, to get through you know, and all oft- the work. Yeah, and often with us, like, you know, we, we tend to be um, pretty involved in our churches or have been in the past. Yes. And so we've... You know, there's a lot of times where, um, you know, we made really good volunteers, um, but yet it it did get to the point of a little bit of exhaustion for us and, and it took its toll. So, I mean, you know, and, and, and partly too, because not only that, but you've all often been leadership positions, you know, right. as well. And so. Or in a leadership position that's tangential to this church or that, right? Yeah. But we do that. We, you know, we, we, we kind of get in and then when we get enthusiastic, you know, if we move to a new <laughs> town, then people say, oh, then they tend to find that the folks who are willing to volunteer end up getting kind of pulled into so many other volunteer areas. And that's really good for, you know, community. And we like doing that. Uh, but it is also sometimes where then, you know, you feel uncomfortable if you haven't been able to hit, yeah. you know, the quilters club and the, and the, the, the sock drive or whatever. And uh, you kind of start to feel guilty about <laughs> going to church. That is true. Yeah. Well, you feel, because you feel guilty of what maybe you're avoiding um, when yeah. you feel like you can't do something. <laughs> but the main point of this whole uh, lesson here, um, and as, as you're writing it down, is that Jesus invites us to put down the burden of religiosity, the burden of you know, the things that we think we should do when we're doing church and instead focus on what's important um, focus on, on what he's teaching and, and, and listening to him. That line is so amazing where he says, Martha, you know, you are worried about so many things, but there's really only one thing that matters and it's right here. Sit down, listen. And what your sister's doing is not, uh, is not bad. Right. That's the point. I'm here. I also think it's funny rather than asking Mary herself, um, you know, Mary, can you please help me? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, can you make Mary help me? <laughs> you know, it is, it is a way that religious people tend to use God, you know, God's <laughs> like this, the stick that I'm going to use to get my kids to behave or to get other people to come maybe out of guilt. And we don't always do it initially with that intention, but it does start to put a little bit of pressure there. And I think for a lot of the freshmen that I've had over the years, they weren't angry about maybe their religious church experience, but they, they did want to get a little bit of breathing room because they saw it as something that they were forced into rather than something that they came to mm. with, uh, with wonder and excitement and astonishment at the teaching. Absolutely. So why is this an important um, for our first lesson? Well, I think everything else is going to get a lot more intense, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Like there's some teachings that Jesus has that are, that are really difficult. It's hard to understand, you know, what's going on here. Yeah. But it also is, I think, I think it's also hard to, te- to take this teaching seriously if you really pay attention to it, which is it goes against everything we think religion wants us to do. We want to climb a, a ziggurat or prostrate ourselves a certain number of times or, or meditate for a certain number of hours, and then we will achieve enlightenment or salvation or, or whatever the religion offers. Uh, but here, 
we find that I think that this is a really important metaphor for the way churches sometimes get in their own way. Mm. That like all this religious stuff that Martha's doing, she thinks like that's what being a follower of Jesus is, is being frantic and running around and trying to get everything in place. And in fact, that's not what it's about. That's the stuff that kind of gets, gets the place ready to, to receive the teaching. But here it is, the, the dude's right there and he's, and he's providing these teachings. And I think, you know, to that, to that big point, Stacy, in the 20 years that we've been involved in church-related education, religious education, so often we're dealing with, with Martin Luther or John Calvin or the, the creeds, you know, or even Paul in the New Testament. We're, we're looking at St. Augustine. We're looking at Thomas Aquinas, maybe even C.S. Lewis. I mean, I think there's probably more Christian kids that go deeper into the writings of C.S. Lewis sometimes at least over the last few decades, than they do with Jesus. Now, I know everybody's got their Bibles and they got the highlights, but some of it gets kind of routine for us. So what you're saying is sometimes we're listening to all these other surrounding things besides Jesus himself and what he's... what he's saying, right? Yeah, and it's not so much meant to be a criticism as something that I think we just experienced ourselves. I mean, having having taught in theology, I know that even amongst scholars in the field, unless you're doing New Testament studies and specifically the Gospels, very often we're, we're all caught up in these other people and movements and themes and church politics and culture wars and all this, and that gets in the way. Well, and I, and I think, what, you know, with, even with education, sometimes we use secondary sources and sometimes it's best to go back to the primary, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what better primary source? It's not just going to the church fathers who can be helpful or the medieval mystics uh, like Julian of Norwich. These are interesting people, but let's, let's go to the source here to understand something that really has spread throughout the world is this profound teaching that so, really changed the world. So I would invite, what, what's important to me about this whole setup, I think for this being the first chapter, is I would invite you all to just join us on this journey, listen for these next 12 lessons that we're going to go through. If you can, as and, if it's the first time, you know. And, and really listen to what Jesus is saying. You know, let's, let's you know, use this as an invitation to be able to look at, you know, perhaps dive a little deeper into Jesus' words and what he's trying to teach. You're sitting cross-legged in front of a rabbi, <laughs> Down uh, his a feet. guru, a sage, a philosopher, a, uh, a revelator. You know, I mean, this, right. is, this is, if you take it seriously, or, or even if you just come with some skepticism, this is, this is something to behold and listen to and, uh, and then judge for and, yourself yeah. what, and, what profoundness there is And if you could there. set aside... Um, what you think it is to be or do church for just a little bit, um, whatever your other teachings might have, and just keep an open mind. Um, maybe you won't, I don't know, maybe you won't agree with everything we say. You should keep your, you should definitely keep thinking through everything, but don't, just keep an open mind as we go through this and really listen to what Jesus' words might, might be here. Now, if you want to follow along with us, if you go to protectyournoggin.org, you'll be able to find ways to get resources that we've got already out there and also some things that are uh, going to be published. And for folks that are on Patreon, they're going to be getting these along with the, uh, the podcast. But you don't need the book for the podcast. You might want to go back to it in, in a year or so, sometime down the line. Uh, but you can find ways to get, to get access to these as they come out. And uh, this one... Uh, that I that I that I wrote up here has has a lot other you know there's a lot there that yes. we're not going to share here on the podcast. But uh, what are some things, Stacy, that that you think are the the kind of the key the key pieces of this? 
what just very very briefly we think we talked about with um so martha represents sort of the busyness the doing right that right. we often do in church and mary is more um what the the receiving of the message correct right um, and what's important to note though about women at this time well first of all you know the idea that they're going to be sitting there and disciples along with the men in this case we don't you know we don't hear a lot about any dudes in the in the scene and that alone is is just profound right like that that i think sometimes we get the the impression in our churches that we should tell our little girls you know just you know be modest that's an important thing and then you go do you go do the soup while the dudes do the bible study mm. and and i think how was that for you stacy i mean you had i'm sure growing up we grew up in the evangelical church you, we we did bible studies yeah yeah no um I I'm I myself I'm very interested in like philosophical ideas, spirituality and the religion itself and that when yeah I mean I I never really appreciated being kind of pushed aside um to go do some some busy work, you know. Um and stuff that needed to be done or whatever, but that 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 fundamental idea that the kids are going to be segregated out sometimes. Right. At least I mean maybe it's not the same anymore, but certainly in our youth, we would have Bible studies for boys and girls, right? We'd all do it. But there was that sense in which when the real, when the real meat of the thing was happening, that was the dudes sitting down with the Bible open and, and the, the women are, are going to be in the kitchen. And um, this idea, I think, is the empowerment of young women because in many ways, one of the things that, that has really motivated this study for us is the ways in which young people and, and very often, unfortunately, young women have been, um, have been harmed by this, this ethos, this authoritarian ethos that didn't teach them to think for themselves, and that had an effect on who they dated, uh, mm. whether or not they were, they were able to kind of see uh, when folks were, were not being uh, folks of integrity, but they might have been in positions of power, right? And so kind of putting, putting the, the religious stuff aside for a moment and say, you and Jesus are having a conversation here. There's something to be learned. Right. I think it's really important. Um, we mentioned in the study how religion can be both good and bad for your health. Can you give us an example of, of each? Yeah, I mean, well, certainly religion, you know, folks folks have said that, you know, having a community in, in psychology, right? They, they will they'll look at this and they'll say folks that are more active in religious communities have uh, less depression, less, you know, addictions because they've got the support network. So that's really... Community, yeah. yeah. Well, the same is true for cults. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They got an ethos. They've got something going on, and so. But yeah, so people are searching for a sense of community and 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 and, and belonging, right? Right, and so that could be very, very helpful. And in fact, in many ways, I think that as 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 reluctant as we are to get too deep into into communities where there's a a very heavy burden of participation, and that if you're not participating, sometimes uh, you know you you'll get criticized. I think that. At the same time, the flip side is is really important that whatever the teachings of Jesus are, it's really important, at least for the for the first disciples and the early church, they said, What are we gonna what are we gonna do to to live according to these teachings in a world that's really set up against it? That is, you know, these are very hard things to to follow in a world that is filled with competition, violence. You know, Jesus says 
don't be violent. Here, here we are. We live in a world that's violent. So the, the church, or as a community, was there to get together and say, let's, let's support each other in living a different way, a, a world right. um, inside of a world or a kingdom of unconditional love in a world that's very conditional. So it's really, really helpful in many ways. But it's also very unhelpful in that religion, if you want to think of religion in the bad sense, religion is all that stuff that we do to help us remember that profound moment when we had insight or a spiritual experience or, or something so that that we so easily turn these really powerful moments in our lives into these um, kind of superstitious right. chores and rituals and all of that stuff becomes Well, you see it thing. in baseball. You know, you, the guy mm. taps his, you know, a hat or whatever. Or Baseball is very superstitious. Or even in gambling, people that had like a lucky charm of some kind, they got to make sure they have it. And so it turns into all these tasks, right, just to make sure to try to get back that that magic or, you know, that that good that goodwill or whatever it was that got you, you know, the good karma. A lot of religion does kind of have an OCD type flavor to it, right? Where it's just like, okay, I got to make sure I do these, these little tasks to make sure that God's not angry with me. Even though you know that the, the, the teaching is all saying that God's loving and all this, but you just want to be sure, you know? Um, but, relig- but religion can also be very dangerous in that if you teach the religious truths, the things that you think are very important and are true, if you teach them in bad ways, then it, it kind of trains people not to think for themselves, and they're very susceptible to, to future forms of abuse and manipulation. So you mentioned in bad ways. So, like, can you give an example of a bad way? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, saying, you know, b- believe this uh, or else, <laughs> right? Like, the appeal, it, it's an informal fallacy, the argumentum ad baculum, appeal to the stick. Believe this or you're going to go to hell. Well, that's, that ain't no way to start listening to what Jesus has to say. Now, maybe a better way to say it is you're in a living hell, you probably know it, is there a way, is there a way out of this? Right. That's a, that's a different maybe way of thinking about it. But the idea that, uh, that there's some kind of fear-based motivation to learning it, in, in any kind of fear of punishment or hope of reward, I think that that's okay. often associated with religion when we think of religion in the negative sense. Yeah, and... and- You've kind of men- you mentioned here that religion is like a tattoo or a rock band T-shirt in the in the study. So what what how does what do you mean by that? Well, the the thing about tattoos is that in the earliest of, of human history, that's kind of what they were. They were religious. Uh, they were often the best we can tell ways to signify a moment where you're entering something into important. a community, something that happened to you. There might be an ailment that you use uh, this kind of, you know, you put a little X on a, a part that hurts your body and, and hopefully there's some good magic that comes to it. But I think in many ways the the tattoo for people today is not too different. Um, it's folks have these profound moments in their lives, maybe the death of a child, maybe you know, they were in the, the military and they, they crossed over a certain line. And uh, just to, to, to commemorate these moments, I know a lot of people that go on trips and they'll get, you know, the same tattoos together these days. But it's something to say, I don't want to forget the powerful moment that I learned something. And I don't want to forget what I learned. Right. And I, I've got tattoos. You're thinking about getting some tattoos. We're not, we're not against them. But just as a, a tattoo isn't the experience itself, the things that we do in religion are themselves not the experience itself. It's something that helps us in, to, to remember. Right. And in fact, the very word for the, the Eucharistic feast in the, the church, the Eucharist or this feast of Thanksgiving, 
is in fact to go back and remember Jesus. Now, for Catholics and Eastern Orthodox and Lutheran kids, it's more than that. It's this kind of the presence of God there in the midst in a, in a, in a very profound way. But it's also remembering. We're yeah. remembering what, what this is that we're here for uh, in, in, Christian, in Christian circles. And so, and so the things that we do, these things that we would say are in the church sacramental uh, or things that are religious, they're not unhelpful. They're, they're useful. And in fact, we, we do them so that we don't forget. We don't fall back asleep. Right. But they're not the thing themselves. Yeah. And they're, if you, just, yeah. They're, just hit, they're just reminders. They're, they're things that they help um, maybe like kind of build, you know, build around that experience that they, yeah. they help bring us back to these moments. They help us to, to focus and center. But they're, yeah. not, they're not it itself. And then I say like the, the rock band t-shirt. I mean, think of it this way, uh, you know, you get the rock band t-shirt when you go to a show, you know, we've been to shows, we just had these wonderful moments, we said, this was a great show, I want to remember this concert. And so you buy the t-shirt and you wear it at home, or you wear it the next day, and so you have that pleasant memory of the concert that you went to, but the music is the music, that's right. the thing itself. Being a part of that, the whole crowd and everybody participating in this moment, right? And, yeah. and experiencing the same thing all together. If... If theology and religious conversation is worth anything, it's like the conversation you have on the drive home from a great concert. Why did you love it? Remembering how much you loved it. Talking about the things that you thought were really powerful. Why you want to go to another concert like it and maybe what other bands are like this. So there's all these great conversations about music and heck, if you're, if you're educated in it, you might talk about music theory. You might talk about the production and all that. So those things are really important, but there's nothing like going and experiencing the music itself. And so that's kind of what we want to do with this show, is or this uh, season, is go to the, the the source itself, himself, Jesus. Right. There's a nice little uh, helicopter. Going by, <laughs> Either yeah, sightseeing sorry or for the noise. There. <laughs> that's all right. Um, so sometimes, well, we'll let the helicopter pass maybe for a second. <laughs> so sometimes with the, the Marthas, right? They're there's if they're busy. Um, I mean, is is Martha bad? Like, I mean, it, like, should we let Martha get us down? Like, what what might be going on with Martha? Well, what do you think? You tell me this one. I, I think um, a lot of times our our busyness. I know with me, <laughs> um, that when if if other things are kind of chaotic in my world, I like to go and clean. I yes. like to go and. And straighten things up and, and clean. And I feel like even if everything is like... Sometimes you clean loudly, too. If you're a little angry, you might clean loudly. <laughs> no. I don't mean to, okay. for the most part. I mean, I, usually, honestly, it is about just... But you're trying to bring order back. I'm trying to bring order in my outside world when I feel like my inside world is pretty chaotic. And so right. um, so for me, the you know the, the busyness of, of getting ready or whatever is is about one, like sometimes even if I'm preparing, like, so if, if Martha's preparing because she's expecting a lot of people coming over, um, part of it is, is that, so she doesn't get judged by the other people that are coming that she, you know, if it's her job to keep the house and, and, you know, to have everything in order, she's a, she could be labeled a bad host, you know, if, if she doesn't have it all properly taken care of. Um, so not to be judged by others sometimes mm-hmm. can be part of it. Um, and and part of it can be just because she may not be able or she's there's fear there somehow. There's anxiety or perhaps um, something she's 
I don't know, not doing or avoiding <laughs> by doing something else. Thank but, you. Yeah, I, I didn't want to answer it straight up because there's a way in which we have to have a great deal of compassion for the Marthas in the world. They're, they're, they're doing what they think is the right thing. Yes. They're also sometimes bringing a, a, an uncomfortable vibe into the community, right? right? So it's, it's understandable that that's how you're experiencing things. But also sometimes by her nagging her sister, she's actually distracting her sister from the whole reason for the, the day, right. right? The whole event was to listen to Jesus and it wasn't to say, no, you go do these, these other things. No, like it, it needs to go the, the other direction. That's not to say we don't have compassion and great love from the Marthas, but yeah. we've got to invite them to sit down and, and just take a rest for a moment. You know, often when we've, when I've heard this passage in churches, I've heard pastors um, say that we, you know, we need the Marys and the Marthas, Right. Um, would you say that that is true in this passage? Is that what is at the heart of, of what's being talked about here? There's other places in the New Testament where they say, you know, hey, uh, we, we're all di- different parts of the body of Christ, right? So that's a great metaphor that's really helpful. But it's, uh, no, I think Jesus is saying that the way of Martha is is misguided. It's not that you never do the dishes. Sometimes kids, you know, do your dishes. But doing the dishes and complaining that other people aren't doing the dishes when the feast is already prepared metaphorically here right, right. Like there's probably some, <laughs> some food to still to still be made but it's but it's i think i think this is a call for everybody to say we don't just have the right to sit down and and rest for a moment it's actually good for us and it's what jesus invites us to do it's the teaching of jesus is to not be so addicted to the the external workings. Right. And that leads us to another part um, that I think we mentioned in the study is, is the part of like where you're, you're, you're trying so hard that you fail, (laughs) you know, it's, it's sometimes you want so badly to have something. So, you know, you're doing, you know, you're doing your prayers. All right. You're reading your, your Bible, right. You're, you're going through all the motions and executing everything perfectly and you want to do it right. Um, but then yet you miss the whole point. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really the whole point is often to, you, you find these deep truths, the deep spiritual, um, moments through, through the stillness, through the listening, right? Yeah. Through meditating, through letting go of everything that keeps us so busy in this world or, or that builds the experience, right? If you let right. that all go and just open your ears to what it is that you are to hear. It reminds me of, um, we are watching the crown. Yes. <laughs> and the, the, is it what are they? What would they call? It's not a pastor, a right? Vicar. The, the vicar, the vicar there. Um, he's doing his sermon, and and he's he's standing there going, and those who have eyes to hear, I mean eyes, sorry, those who have eyes to see, but and see ears, not. yeah, but see not. You do it because you do a better. No, oh, you got it. And ears to hear, <laughs> but hear not, and noses, and then he pauses, 
And like he doesn't know what's going to come next, right? And it's like because he's not... But smell not. <laughs> he has to look at and he goes through his notes and he finally mm. finds where he was and says, but smell not. And it's like, of course, that was going to be the next part of it, you know, but... Um, but he was tired of it. He was so and tired and he wasn't even caring or listening to what he was saying. He, 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 missed, he was missing the whole message. Not having for, ears to hear? That's a powerful yeah, concept. Yeah, yeah, and it's not absolutely. just something... To, and I think, I think really as much as I love the kind of Anglican experience, we, we had a lot of fun when we were in England going to the various cathedrals and the, the choirs of the Oxford uh, colleges, that there's that, that beauty to it. But sometimes you, you start to zone out on what the heck was being said. Yeah. Jesus and the Pharisees, yes. right? What does this kind of have, what does Jesus and the Pharisees have to do with sort of Mary and Martha, um, as you see it, because I know it's an important point. Yeah, I think really in many ways, I think the story of Mary and Martha is kind of an allegory itself for Jesus versus the Pharisees. The Pharisees' whole point was... Wait, no, wait. Are Pharisees yeah. bad people? I hear so many terrible things about the Pharisees. Yeah. I mean... They were hassling Jesus from time to time. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think, you know, Jesus, when he says, you know, you have to have a righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees, he meant it. They were generally righteous people, and they were very religious people, and they wanted to purify the land. And they thought that they were always going to suffer under occupation. They were going to, you know, be defiled by the presence of the Romans so long as the, the Messiah wouldn't return, that there wouldn't be a new kind of Davidic king that would come and liberate them from Rome or whomever else. And the idea was that you needed to make the laws more strict so that you could put a hedge around what was the actual law. So you're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. Don't, don't say Yahweh and misapply it. Well, one of the easiest ways they thought to do that was just don't say Yahweh. Right, <laughs> right. Say Adonai or the Lord. Or, um, you know, don't, don't do work on, on the Sabbath, but also maybe don't spit on the Sabbath and all of this because, because then you're moving dirt. And all of this they wanted to shape the people up so they could be ready for the Messiah to come, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. God won't show up to his people in Israel until they clean up their act. And what Jesus is doing is reverses the whole thing. He says, no, 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 no. Don't spend all this time getting ready for me. Open your eyes. I'm already here. Don't spend all your time trying to build a human kingdom. Wake up, repent, turn around, come to your senses. The kingdom of God is already here. Amen. Now, before I want to take a break, um, we'll check out, maybe we'll have to move inside here in a second. But when we come back, we're going to be looking at something that's really important to these, to these studies. And that is these questions that we've got in the book that help people to really carry forward what this teaching would mean as they apply it to their own lives. And in many ways, we hope that if you want to use these studies, you know, use the verse, a basic understanding of it, and then the questions can hopefully carry 45 minutes of conversation. What we hope is that instead of going into all the details, that you'll sit down maybe with your family, with a dear friend, uh, maybe with folks in your own religious community, and you sit down and you look at some of these questions and just let those questions carry the conversation. Because I think in those conversations together, we really start to open up about these things in ways that uh, makes it a little more personal. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so thank you uh, for being with us for this first segment. We'll be right back after the Don't break. Don't worry, I'll catch you. Don't worry, I'll catch you. Don't ever worry. 
Don't worry, I'll catch you. Don't worry, I'll catch you. Don't ever worry. Still breaking on habits, habits. You pulled the wool over me. I can see everything, everything. Remember it, cheeks removing. All right, we're back. Beautiful. Sunny Southern California. I mean, for January, you can't go too wrong. You've got your your Scottish sweater, so that helps. Yes, yes. And we're here at my favorite time of the day, sunset. I love it. <laughs> it's a little it's a little windy, a little chilly, but it's absolutely beautiful. So we've got some questions here that we include in the study, um, and, and we'll have more. We won't we won't do them all. Oh, we're not doing them all. I just picked a couple of them. All right, um, and. Uh, we could go back and forth with it, um, but number one, uh, overall, has religion been more of a healing or more of a harming element in your life? Now, when we give you these questions, friends, you don't want to just jump right into an answer and then move on. That's what we were right. saying is the idea is the really the way to make this study work is to maybe spend a whole, a whole day on it, you know? Well, especially um, for yourself and, and maybe even like private introspection and just sort of, you know, kind of really think on this stuff and, and doesn't necessarily all of it wouldn't have to be done uh, vocally with a group. Yeah. Um, it might be where you start out that way or something or, you know, or you start out at home and then you bring, you know, you bring something, you know, to whoever you're discussing it with. Well, what would you say for yourself? For myself, there's been, there has definitely been um, a lot of harmful elements. I think it got, it's gotten really close um, to me wanting to walk away from all of it. But fortunately, I think that I have found, I have found a truth that I just cannot, I cannot let go of. And I, hold on to that so dearly that I would say that that surpasses all of the uh, harm that has been done to me. And I recognize that there's, there's even in, even in the moments where some of it wasn't, there was a foundation laid there. There was a, an understanding that came from later reflection on those moments. And, and I understand that, you know, some people, the harm was so great you couldn't you know you might have a hard time getting there but fortunately for me it was it it wasn't so much uh that i can't use that as is sort of a a place for me to then understand where things went wrong to then be able to f- sort of figure out what part of it i do want what part of it is health what the the like i said there's a, a truth there that i will not let go of that i hold so dear and so passionately that I understand there's a lot of bad people or bad things in the mix, but I can't let that stop me from what is so important to me in the, in the truth of it all. You spend a lot of time reading and we discuss things, you know, even at the family level, we're always talking about 
philosophy, spirituality, religion, theology. It's it's the stuff we care about. It's what we do all the time. <laughs> I mean, more so than most folks probably. <laughs> I mean, because that's I mean that's what it's what you do for a living. It's what you know we're doing here at the podcast. I mean, it's a huge, huge part of our lives. But when you say all of it, when you talk about religion, there's a way in which you can, if you separate out the the teachings and the conversation with people that we we trust and care about. Um, at the same time, I don't think that you can say all throughout life that it's always been equal. There have been times when the very thought of going and sitting in a particular pew caused me anxiety. Absolutely. Uh, that there have been times when we've been in some religious contexts where when we leave, we're less happy, yeah. less upbeat, Absolutely. less joyful, less peaceful than when we started. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I've sometimes shown when we go speak places, there, there was a friend of ours who took a photograph of us, our youngest, and, the, uh, and some friends of ours. And we were all just, we all had just the most depressing faces on. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, where, where are been, these people? There's it been was a just, lot of church, church and there's, there, I, I And I tell you, there are, there are doors I would never, there, what you say, doors I would never darken. Yes. You know, I would never go back to certain churches. This is, this is for sure. And sometimes there are decent churches that make it difficult for folks. Yes. Because it just smells like something that they didn't like before. You know, like maybe yeah. you're not against hot dogs, but you got pukey one day at the fair. And so now you just, you, you have a reaction. You get triggered no, by it. There is no doubt that if I started out in a certain church, you know, if it was a certain uh, religious experience or whatever, I might just get up and walk out the door these days. <laughs> I just might. I might have to for my own self. Um, but it doesn't mean that um, that's... that. That is what, for me, is the whole story. Is the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I would, that, that is important then for us to say that, that one of the reasons that we're interested in this series and this, this whole podcast is that, in many ways, our children kind of went on strike from religion. And we wanted to figure out, now, why do we care that they're rejecting this? Yeah. And, you know, our youngest uh, just was probably the first one to just explicitly say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. And partly they had seen so much negativity in, uh, you know, in my own career dealing with ideas. People get really, you know, excited about this stuff and also sometimes not so nice about it. And so... When he then started poking around online and he saw what other folks that were in the the religious theological circles that I was in uh, were saying online sometimes and the way they were behaving with one another and their values and sometimes their politics. You know, I think I think the political situation has caused has caused our kids not to trust religious teachers because they seem often to be concerned about things that are more kind of cultural in not in the best of senses but political stuff right uh, but political in the petty sense and I think as they're all kind of fighting for dominance and so forth uh, nobody was really showing I think our youngest this is where you, when you're going to get older you're going to be happy and find peace he just saw a bunch of grumpy sad angry frustrated religious people fighting online now right. that's not the only story but but because that that was a reality of our own biography and our own family story, you know, we want to figure out what's, 
you know, what's the core of this thing? And could, could this be something that they would at least find interesting? Well, and, and that is actually my answer to question number two, because it know. says, what cries of pain or lessons are you not hearing from others because you are too busy doing religious things? And I think when sometimes when we are in the thick of doing, you and I, doing religious things, yeah. that we didn't really hear our kids suffering in the, the midst of seeing the what it was for us to be a part of this, to be involved in some of the the, the petty drama of mm-hmm. some of this stuff, that they were the ones that realized, wait a minute, you know, like they they had they had questions, they had frustrations that we weren't even really paying enough attention to really until it was kind of too late, and then they said we don't want anything to do with this. Anymore. Yeah, I think this is exactly the sort of thing that that my student Scott had said about tofu he he happened to like tofu he said but uh, what was his what was his illustration yeah he said basically for somebody say that doesn't like tofu or doesn't want any more tofu it doesn't matter how you dress it up it doesn't matter what different you know seasonings you put on it or how you you know how you change it it just it's still going to be tofu and and so with church sometimes we we dress it up a little differently we put different music to it different words different liturgy whatever doesn't matter it's still get a better narthex (laughs) it's still going to be church it's still going to be tofu it's still going to be religion friends religion is tofu and I'm not saying tofu is religion in the bad sense I'm saying if if there's just something that's not working for somebody it's very hard to say that you're going to do something fancy to get people to, to change their their mind about it and especially if it's something that you know just like when we eat food that gives us a bad reaction. Sometimes our bodies just say, no, I can't do that anymore. Right. One last question, and there's lots more in the study, but um, one last one for us to reflect on. Is there a religious activity that, that does not bring you life that you wish you could cut out of your schedule? Is there an activity that you wish you could experience more often or for the first time? I'll go first on this one. The irony for me has been that and you kind of alluded to it, sometimes being a person whose profession is to talk about theology, it's gotten in the way of my own ability to shut up and listen to Jesus. That's why I'm giving ourselves, we're giving ourselves this permission to sit there and have a, in our case here, like there's a purpose, there's a reason, there's accountability, we're going to keep going through this and and kind of listen to the teachings of Jesus and, and in a way that I, I think... I had been distracted from being an administrator, worrying, you know, when I was at uh, Colorado Christian University, what, what is the relationship of American evangelicalism to, to political power in the country and to political issues and all that? And fighting those fights, I think, were important, but they also sometimes got me thinking about things that weren't as important. You know, right. so I want to do less religion, even if my religious stuff is intellectual religious stuff, not just you know that other thing. And the, the the thing that I want to add more in my life is to say, giving myself some space to let that stuff kind of go, to cut some of that stuff out of my life, and spend more time doing things that help me to to really be engaged with my neighbor neighbors that are hurting in what you might call more charitable ways, but, but not just to kind of do volunteerism. Um, we've, we do stuff all the time, but to really be able to de- develop strong and important relationships with folks and communities that are doing good stuff that are really changing lives instead of just 
we talking all the time, you know? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm the worst. I hate this about myself. I talk too much. Um, I'm a paid talker, so it makes <laughs> it more difficult. It's like, uh, you know, having a drinking problem, being a bartender. I mean, that is, you know, kind of my situation. But but being able to, to, to take a beat and to be a little little bit more reflective in my own life on what this stuff means for me. What about you? So for me, um, I, I wish the thing I would um, like to kind of let go of is if I, when I'm a part of a church community, it seems like there's, I don't know, there's things like the, the women's tea or something that um, I, I, I feel a, a sense of shame or guilt when I'm avoiding the lady that the nice volunteer that's just trying to get the signups, you know, and especially she's supposed to target the little bit younger folks because they, yep. you know, got some the, kids, let's get you in there. Got the older, got, older women are all signed up, you know, and they've been doing this every year and they are finding probably less and less of the younger folks involved in trying to get, um, you know, other people. And I guess I really hate, like, I, I don't, I don't find those types of activities um enjoyable and i hate having to avoid the the nice sign up person that's just trying to get um i i I wish that churches would more often maybe if they find a lack of involvement with certain age groups maybe going to those groups and asking what kind of activities would they like to participate in that they could do together you know um rather than i mean if, if you want if the whole point is a sense of community you really kind of need to see what the community wants rather than scheduling the activity and then trying to make the community come. Now, we grew up in the shadow of Rick Warren's uh, big Saddleback Church. And in some ways they did that. They said, well, what, what could we do to get you to, to come to church? And I don't think that's exactly what you're saying. I mean, because we've talked to, about this. Not coming to church, but I'm saying if you want to be doing activities together, if you want to bring the generations together in, in a positive, um, you know, life-giving way with having conversations and, and being together with one another, I'm talking about that. What are those, yeah. what are those activities that, um, that, that we could do together. So th- that's the kind of thing is I think rather than a lot of churches, they have things that they've done from year after year after year. And then they just try to get all the signups and right. they sometimes struggle with getting the people involved and maybe what they're asking them to be involved in is the problem and not that they don't necessarily want to hang out with everybody else. Yeah. And I think also giving people the respect, young people, the respect that they are people that have, opinions and inviting them into that. I mean, that's how you can, I think, get folks a little bit more engaged in in the good sense. We're we're hanging out with our kids, non-religious friends and our kids, and we're talking about Jesus all the time. We're talking about spirituality and and, and church history and all this. We talk about that all the time, and uh, and it can get really lively because we don't think we're doing something religious. We're actually just we're actually asking these questions sincerely. Right. We're not taking it seriously. We might be playful, but we're we're being sincere about it. And I think that's, that's important. It, you know, we're, this is not a show, friends, that's going to try to tell you how to fix your church and make yeah. it real uh, sellable. It's to say that, that there are reasons why people need these communities and these conversations can be ve- very healing. What is it that is healing? Let's do more of that, and let's feel free. Let's give ourselves the freedom to cut out stuff that maybe was great for a time, but we just don't need to keep doing it. Right. Right. When we look back at, at this this first uh, episode and the, the first lesson, what are some key themes, Stacey? If even just kind of brainstorm real fast before we sign off um, on on what 
what folks that are interested in helping themselves and their, their children and people in their communities do to protect their noggins, right, to protect themselves from, from bad religion? I'll start with one, and that is uh, don't be so religious, yeah. <laughs> right? Like be human beings. Be together. Don't just make this one big chore. Right. Um, another thing I would say is kind of open your eyes and, and, and be aware of the religious practices that are happening um, at your, your church. Like you really kind of, sometimes we don't question it. We just kind of like see what's going along and really be a part of it. Understand what is the, what does it mean when this is happening? One of the things that was, it was actually kind of a, a struggle for me, but it was, it was really, it was really good was when our adopted daughter, Mana, when she, um, had converted to unofficially yes <laughs> yes officially convert she got baptized yeah. <laughs> but yeah anyway we, we we've taken her into the family right. um, so when she would go to church with us she always had a million questions like why is this happening what what is going on here when you're doing this or whatever and sometimes you know i i never even thought to question you know, some of those things. I never even thought to ask, what is the purpose of this prayer right now? What is the purpose of, you know, the pastor doing this? And so I would say, look at your religious, your your service, all of, you know, what your church does and just sort of look at it with open eyes. And and some, some of these things are going to be really good, you know, but maybe there are some elements that are unhealthy and should be questioned. And we, and what we said earlier, what is it that these are saying about gender roles, expectations of children, people's ability to think for themselves, legalism. And and your priorities, because what a church's priorities are, um, it, it can be a sign of actually what they are worshiping, you know, they're sending a message. Do they have, do they have false idols? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, is uh, they're spending so much time doing, something other than focusing on the the reason that they actually should be there in the first place. That's what they really are worshiping. That's really what it's all about. It's not yeah. about, you know, the, the teachings that they're receiving or, you know. Yeah. And I think the most important, I, the only other one I think is really important for folks that want to equip themselves and others to essentially defend themselves against the dark arts is the idea that just because somebody seems to be on the inside of the religion, the Marthas, just because these are the people that are running the show, doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. Doesn't mean that you have to be rude or, or, or just reject everything that they've got in terms of their wisdom. But it's often the case that we need to tell 13-year-old girls and 17-year-old boys and 55-year-old whatever, we need to tell everybody that they have the privilege and the, and the freedom and the liberty to come in and say, I'm going to go straight to the source and I'm not necessarily, just not necessarily going to agree or have to just follow everything that everybody else thinks that this religion's about. Right. Maybe they get the, uh, the chance to look at this stuff on their own. That's what we're going to do together. Yeah, and, and the one last piece that I would offer um, is, a, and again, it kind of goes along the same lines as what I was saying before, but it's slightly different, is when people do come to you, as, you know, especially if it's like your children or whatever with questions, don't. Take those take those questions very seriously. Oh yeah, and don't just dismiss them and give them pad answers or simple. And if you don't know the the answer yourself, then then you guys go to work together on it to discover the answer. Um, if you have questions yourself and you're getting dismissive answers from your leadership at your church, that's a sign that there's something wrong there. Yeah, continue to go seek out the answers to those questions that you're asking, and find the answers that you need um, that you need to hear because. I think that 
too often when something becomes too difficult, it's easy to just laugh it off or dismiss it. And and when it's a hard thing to, to work through. Right. And don't, so don't, don't let yourself do that. Don't, you know, just make sure you take it seriously and, and, and really seek the answers because they're there. Take our minds seriously, take our children's minds seriously and all the whole world. Because what we're doing friends is we're, we're moving away from this oppressive understanding of what this is all about, the, uh, the religiosity, the legalism. That never really did many uh, people much good. <laughs> no, right? no. All on a journey to find peace upon peace. Well, thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter low too much.